Welcome to another Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined once again by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune from Soldier Field, where the Vikings just won. Shouldn't you have like this? Shouldn't we be excited about that? Even though it was a 17 to 9 and one of the ugliest games anybody has ever seen. You sound uh, startled, exhausted. Exhausted is the word. Yeah, confounded. I'm not sure what the word would be to describe it. But, yeah, that was – put it this way. I spent much of the fourth quarter uh, trying to write this one on deadline and then uh, trying to qualify it somehow when you get this kind of a performance and still win – it was the first time since October 25th, 1993, that a Vikings starting quarterback has attempted more than 20 passes, thrown for fewer than 100 yards, and won. Uh, Jim McMahon did it back then. I would assume in most of the cases where that's happened, I should go back and look this part up, that you would have had a running game that would have done something. Uh, to note, Dalvin Cook ended up with 3.2 yards a carry. Has never had a lot of success here. Um, Justin Jefferson didn't do a whole lot. So the fact that they got outgained by almost a two to one margin, still win the game, uh, had as probably as much to do with the Bears as anything the Vikings could take credit for. The Bears are horrible, and it was very obvious that Nagy knows he's about to get fired. And was pouring every all of his emotion into this game. He was hyper emotional on the sideline. His players were hyper emotional, but none of that added up to anything close to competence. That's just a bad football team, a bad football organization. And this was a horrible game. And the only thing you can say is the Vikings did enough. You know, they kind of they got out of the way, let the Bears make their stupid mistakes, and they capitalized just enough. Yeah, it seemed like if it wasn't a personal foul or even Matt Nagy getting. Unsportsmanlike conduct for chewing the ref's ear off or after an unnecessary roughness on, sure, what seemed like a bad hit, but the ref um, actually was asked after the game about that flag on Nagy, and he said what Nagy said to him crossed the line and that he wouldn't share what exactly it was. Um, it wouldn't be repeatable on this podcast, nor printable in our newspaper, even if he did share it, I'm guessing. That's true, probably not. Uh, spoken like a coach who was 4-9 and nine going into this game, as, as Jim said, fighting for his job, and Seemed to have lost it tonight, and the players had the Bears had I think three unnecessary roughness penalties. Vikings player got ejected, and Eric Hendricks, um, and they just c- continue to press, continue to press, press forward. The Vikings do with these close games, and they managed to win this one, as Ben said, really because the Bears coughed the ball up. Was it three fumbles on the night? Uh, yeah, they fumbled four, lost three, and uh, Justin Fields' inability to hit a throw, really at all and especially in the red zone, had a lot to do with it as well. They they had, I believe, six trips into the red zone. They scored three points in the first five and would have scored three points for the night had officials not ruled in the last play of the game that the receiver got into the end zone. Horstead, I believe it was, that it looked to me like he got stopped a yard short, but they said, ah, well, what the heck, we'll give you the touchdown. Maybe, uh, I guess it didn't affect the spread. So it's probably fine, but yeah. Make this game look slightly less worse on the scoreboard than it really was, right, Jim? Yeah, and it's remarkable. Ben was pointing out during the game, it's remarkable how the Bears could avoid scoring points. They kept on getting the ball, either moving the ball or getting the ball in Vikings territory. And 
you know, they missed a 49-yard field goal. Listen, we shouldn't expect kickers to make all the 49-yard field goals, but he didn't even get it to the crossbar, which is just bizarre these days. Dalvin Tomlinson got a piece of that. Tomlinson got it, yeah. But, I mean, they were just incompetent. I mean, there's no way. I mean, they essentially scored three points tonight, and if they just kicked field goals, they could have scored 18. Or twenty-one, or some some number like that. Yeah, they kept getting in their own way, and and I think buried the story from the Vikings' perspective of Kirk Cousins was buried. I mean, four sacks, Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, uh, really looked like it looked like Cleo Mack wasn't on injured reserve, even though he is. Um, but they were still able to generate such a strong pass rush, Ben. And this is with Christian Darrisaw coming back, them thinking, hey, we're going to get the better interior mix with Mason Cole, and then benching Ole Udo. It, Mason Cole was just ragdoll, just like uh, Garrett Bradbury was at times, too. There is a long heritage of Vikings guards or centers being ragdolled by Akeem Hicks. Garrett Bradbury, Mason Cole now in that group. Pat Elfline had his rounds with Akeem Hicks, too, over the years. It's uh, it's getting to be a bigger club. Mason Cole certainly joined it tonight, gave up a couple sacks, and had a couple where... I think on the pick Cousins threw, among others, Cole was basically being pushed right back into Cousins' lap. So Akeem Hicks did a lot of damage, and uh, if he's still healthy in three weeks, he's probably going to do it again. Well, and Jim, it's hard to think this is going to look any different against Aaron Donald next week, and then you have the Bears, and then Kenny Clark, of course, in Green Bay. I mean, they're these interior lines, they kind of face their toughest ones at the end of the schedule. And it doesn't seem like the, that interior line, no matter what combo, is going to really get much figured out. And then I shouldn't even put it on them, too, because Derisaw got beat by Quinn a couple times as well. They've had three bad offensive halves in a row now. And now they have to play, as you said, Donald and Ramsey and a Rams team that seems like they're getting their defense together. And here's something to be worried about if you're a Viking fan. Uh, Zimmer, talking about his offense, was saying maybe we need to dink and dunk more. Oh, my God. Did, I miss, did he say that after com- the game? He did. Oh, he boy. said we needed to dink and dunk more. Uh, if you are a fantasy football owner, get Tyler Conklin. <laughs> He's going to catch 20 passes for 48 yards and a touchdown next week. I have Kelsey, but Kelsey just went on the COVID list. Conklin is my tight end, too. So should be all right. I did get kind of um, reverberations from the past hearing him say that in a game where John DeFilippo was serving as the offensive coordinator. <laughs> he also said, I think at halftime, that they threw the ball too much yeah. in the first half. It's yeah, like, he wanted to run the ball more and throw the ball shorter in a game where they didn't get to 100 yards passing. This is Is this it 2018 again? Oh, my God. It's, it's that tug of war where, yeah, when, when Clint's putting the foot too much on the gas, Zimmer so I would say now start reeling him back. Don't just get Conklin on your fantasy football team. It's time to pick up C.J. Ham. <laughs> it's time to make well, that move. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bring him in. Deep sleeper advice from the Star Tribune. <laughs> sign, sign him onto your squad. Um, I don't know how much we can really learn outside of that with, with the Vikings offense because Dalvin Cook is going to always run into this wall in Chicago. Um, Mike Zimmer, I thought was funny at the end of the game, did put that last touchdown on the clocks, saying that that last play shouldn't have even happened and that we can we should no longer even talk about the clocks in Chicago as we've detailed on this It's like a greatest hit. It, it, was, it, was it really was. It was everything you could want out of a Mike Zimmer concert. <laughs> I mean, if, if this is – we don't know. We'll see how this all ends. But if this is the last time with Mike Zimmer in Chicago, yeah, they played all the hits. They – the uh, – Halftime, where they honor all of the high school football teams that won state championships, the last one to come out was Zimmer's alma mater. 
So where his dad coached for 30-something years. So, yeah, it uh, had a little bit of everything. It really did. And I think defensively for the Vikings, I, I don't know what you can learn against a, a quarterback in Justin Fields. Maybe all you learn is that maybe they made the right move in not trading up for him. Is that fair to make that call already? I said it to Jim in the first half that this game reminded me of that old Garth Brooks song, uh, Sometimes I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Because if they had made that deal, uh, I think it's reasonable to assume Kirk Cousins would have tried to force a trade. And if they had done that, I don't know that they'd be sitting here at 7-7 seven and seven right now. I liked Fields in the draft. I thought the Bears did the right thing in getting him. And, boy, uh, he, he has a great arm. He's really fast. He has no pocket awareness. He runs, he scrambles himself and runs himself into trouble. I don't, and listen, maybe if they had a really good coach here, maybe if he had been put in a better situation, maybe he'd be farther along, maybe we wouldn't be talking about him. But tonight, it was a little scary to me. I don't know if you get better at that at 22 or 23 years old. Well, I think we've seen, too, and that's a good point about the pocket presence because you've seen guys like Ponder in terms of the yeah. worst ones come in and, and really be deer in the headlights. I don't know if Fields looks like he's that bad, but he at least has the mobility and upper echelon mobility to make up for it. But tonight he was running 20 yards, 15 yards backward mm-hmm. and taking sacks for losses of 12, 14 can't yards. Can't do it. Just can't do it. And, and doing stuff that, yeah, you see rookies do. And, and it's it'd be unfair to peg it, you know, 11 starts into his career that he's a bust because – you do see these things develop over time, and maybe he will develop. But what are the what's the future of the Bears at this point? Because what offense is it going to be in? And it doesn't seem like it's going to be Matt Nagy um, challenging Mike Zimmer anymore. No, he's going to be probably trying to develop under a new coach, maybe a new GM, which could mean a whole new set of players around him, certainly a new scheme. You'd think you'd get somebody that will run things that work for him. Um I think overall, he certainly has the talent to play at this level. It's just there's a lot of stuff. We've seen this a number of times this year against bad quarterbacks or young quarterbacks. It does remind you how few people there are on the planet that can do this at the NFL level where you can process things quick enough, read coverages, understand the pass rush, keep yourself in a good throwing lane, keep yourself out of trouble, make throws into tight windows, and operate an offense. There just aren't that many good ones in the world. And even if Justin Fields is someday going to be among them, he's not right now. And that's a lot of the reason they won the game. Yeah, Fields is much more among the uh, what rookies typically look like as opposed to the Justin Herberts or the Phenoms, Andrew Lux, that we've seen in the past. Uh, the Vikings, though, at 7-7, seven and seven, they're right there. They're right in it. Technically, they're in right now. Technically, they hold the seventh seed. Uh, Washington, I think, has that tiebreaker over them. So Washington, Washington plays tomorrow, right? Washington, Philly plays tomorrow, which means one of those teams presumably comes out seven and seven, unless they unless they tie. And suddenly now you see Tampa Bay lose to New Orleans, who is seven and seven. The Vikings have all those teams to try and shoulder out of there, but I just don't know how you can look ahead at their next three games if you're Minnesota and feel very confidently about how you've been playing and then how you stack up against those other teams trying to make a run. Every week we sit here and look at this playoff picture, it seems to be the exact same, and I feel the exact same about this Vikings team every week. I agree with you, but now we also have no idea who's going to be eligible 
and available to play in any given game. And this, the playoffs might – all these extra seeds that we're talking about, they all might be decided on who has their quarterback, who has their defense, who's healthy. And now with the NFL changing its protocols and basically saying if you've had COVID and you're vaccinated or even unvaccinated, right, and you've had it, you're not getting tested. Yeah, unless you're symptomatic, I think, is the only way you're getting tested. So that's almost like a, a get-out free card in, in an instance for some of these guys. I mean, not to say it's good to ever have it, but if, if the NFL is going to stop testing you, they're changing it in ways that it's just going to be different rules for different people depending on your circumstances. And, yeah, as Jim said, you never know. You could be starting Nick Mullins on a Tuesday night or Monday night, as the Browns did uh, this evening. So we'll see. We'll break down the Vikings-Rams game. That will be the next pivotal one. If they drop that, it's going to be hard to come back and be talking about NFC playoff pictures anymore. But please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast.